today anyway. Well rested, cheery, chipper, Karen. Nice change there. For everybody. I mean, what are you thinking? What's going on, you guys? Man, Mike, I don't know. What? Good cover there. Good cover there. You guys thinking bad and blaming it on me. Well, listen, let's take our Bibles and we're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. I think a couple of weeks ago, uh, we read something about this. Um, <coughs> Matthew chapter 4, and it starts at verse 12. It's about where Jesus begins to preach. And we're just going to go down to verse 17. <coughs> And we're going to look at a, at a number of contexts that surround this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, uh, he went and lived in Capernaum which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our Father, this morning, Lord, we are thankful. Uh, Lord, we're thankful. Well, I'm thankful, and I, I suspect we're all thankful. Lord, that we can gather into a place like this, into an atmosphere like this, that we can gather into your presence like this and sense you as you are amongst us today. Uh, Father, you, you know. You know our lives. You know the activities that fill our days, Lord. You know the things that whirl around within us and, and Father, perhaps family situations or or perhaps uh, decisions that need to be made, or, or perhaps decisions that have been made, or perhaps, Father, specific traumas that have lodged themselves in our hearts and minds. And Father, you know us, and, and Lord, it's, it's, it's good to be able to come into a place like this and, and to know that you know, and, and yet, Lord, you receive us. And Father, not only receive us and just kind of set us in a corner, Lord, but you set us down to your table to feast on the truth of your word that we could see and know and understand in the context of our lives today what it means to be a follower of you. Whether it's in the valley of the shadows or, Lord, whether it's on the highest of mountains. And so, Father, I'm asking, Lord, today in Jesus' name that you would bless and guide 
each of us who are here, each one, uh, Father, into the depths of our hearts and spirits as we as we meditate on your word, as we toss it around in our mind, as we think about the many things, as, as your spirit leads us individually, according, Lord, to the catalyst of what your word has to say. Father, I pray, Lord, your blessing, that it would rest on each one in your fullness. Father, I pray, Lord, for those who are at home today, uh, listening to this, maybe through live stream, or maybe maybe tomorrow or the next day on YouTube. Father, whatever the condition of their hearts are, I pray, Lord, that, that you would bless them, that you would draw close to them. Father, might their hearts be strangely warmed in this very moment across time and space in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would manifest yourself perhaps as you never have before. Lord, that they would know that you're alive, that you live. And you have a deep concern for their lives. And so, Father, it's our prayer this morning, O oh God, that nothing would stand in the way of what you desire to do. Father, that nothing would stand in the way of how you would desire to speak into our lives. <clears throat> Father, I bind out of our lives and out of our minds and, and out of the atmosphere around us the kingdom of darkness and all of its influence and all of its distractions. And I loose into our lives and into the atmosphere around us the kingdom of heaven and the presence of your Holy Spirit. Break through with, with power and authority in the name of Jesus Christ that your people would be full of hope and that your people would be full of joy, that your people would be full of love and expectation as we approach this Advent season. Father, might thy will be done in your church in these days. So, Father, guide us. And Lord, very humbly, but Father, very sincerely again today, I ask, Lord, that no word would come from this mouth except it be according to thy will. Lord, once again today, may it be possible that you would clothe yourself with this form, that we would know your truth, your thoughts for us. Father, all that you desire in our lives. Guide us, Father. We'll give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we ask it in prayer. Amen. <clears throat> Well, somewhere's over in uh, Isaiah, isn't it? Isaiah chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, flip over to Isaiah chapter 9. This is this passage that we read here from Matthew. Is actually, that's, this is where it comes from. It's Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1 down to verse, well, it goes on farther, but we're only going to read down to verse 1 and 2. Just so you know, you know, where it says, uh, it says there, um, you know, fulfilling the promise of, in, um, as you turn, don't turn back, but in Matthew chapter 4, verse 14, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And if you've ever wondered, well, where in Isaiah or what might that say, uh, this, is, this is kind of where it comes from, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. It says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor the Galilee of the Gentiles, by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You see, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, that, that very thing is said that as Jesus begins to 
his ministry. Now, if we were to carry on into that and maybe drop over to, to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, <clears throat> you find something else here of interesting. It says, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. <coughs> the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. <clears throat> well, probably you didn't, uh, you're not, you weren't aware of this, but uh, Christmas season is about to begin. <clears throat> and uh, the Advent season starts next, uh, next Sunday. Did you know that? That's the first Sunday of Advent. And uh, at Christmas, uh, the Advent season is about, uh, it's about what? Anybody want to render four things, four guesses? We got one of them right up here. Joy, hope, peace, love. That's right. Or hope, joy, peace, love. It's kind of in that order. Hope, joy, peace, and love. So right now, the whole world is full of hope, joy, peace, and love as we approach this Advent season. I had the opportunity yesterday to arrive into an airport, it was Halifax, and I uh, <clears throat> began the journey at 4 o'clock in the morning. I got here about 6.30 or so, or I got back into Halifax at 6.30, and, uh, and I had the great opportunity to begin my journey sitting beside someone who was hopeless, joyless, loveless, and peaceless. <clears throat> For me, that's a great opportunity. <clears throat> they didn't last long, uh, because as soon as the, uh, the, the doors shut on the plane in Vancouver, uh, the guy got up from where he was, right beside me, and went and sat two rows ahead. <laughs> didn't take it personally, it happens quite a bit. <clears throat> <clears throat> but, uh, but we stopped in Toronto, right? So, uh, so so we got off, and, uh, and I kind of watched him weave his way through the crowd, and, and he was not a happy guy. I'm going to tell you that. I hope he doesn't listen, doesn't know who, where I'm at right now. But I'm going to tell you, because he was, it was remarkable. And I thought of it, and I woke up this morning thinking about him. Actually, I woke up this morning praying for him, because he was not a happy guy. And uh, he reminded me of somebody I know really, really well, <clears throat> who are not here. But he was, he, was, he was not a happy guy. And so, so I watched him throughout the, uh, throughout the flight. And, uh, and, uh, and I don't know, but just something about him attracted everybody's animosity. Uh, including the, the, uh, the stewardess that was there. And, and she, yeah, she should ask him some questions and he took great offense. And it, it got a little tense, you know, on the flight. <clears throat> and then we stopped in Toronto and, and off he got. And lo and behold, I thought we were going to switch planes, but we weren't. It was the same plane from Vancouver to Toronto was the same plane from Toronto to Halifax, you know, just a crew change, which was a good thing, because the guy came back, sat down beside me, you know, <clears throat> at the gate, waiting to get back onto the plane. And, uh, and he didn't look any happier about that either, you know, and, uh, and then he, we went onto the plane, and he didn't sit beside me again, made a point of not looking at me as he went by. <clears throat> and... Uh, and so then we get to, get to Halifax, and I was sitting a few rows ahead of him, and so I got off first, and I was just sauntering away, you know, looking forward to seeing my lovely wife, and, and I had missed her, and we, you know, was going to hug her and all that kind of stuff, and I was thinking of just how, what a blessing it is to be close to her again. 
Merry Christmas. That's going to be it. <laughs> so anyway, so this, this guy is coming up behind me, right? And this other gal, I, I was walking along, minding my own business. And, and you know how they got those little bags that they take on, carry on luggage? Well, she run over his foot. <laughs> I didn't see it. But she said, oh, I'm sorry. And his response to her was this. He said, he said how did he say it? He said, she said, she said, oh, I'm sorry, forgive me. He said, don't ask me to, to forgive you. Just don't run into me. Right? That's what he said to her. And I was thinking, oh, my soul. I walked a little faster. You know, and she walked a little faster, too. And she got onto the, S S the uh, thing going down the stairs. And, uh, and, uh, and then he comes running by me. And he, he runs straight into her on the escalator and gives her a shove. And he says, how do you like that? And I'm thinking, what's wrong with this guy? Merry Christmas to you, too. You know, and, and, and out, he literally ran through the doors and was gone. And she got to the bottom and she ran after him. And I thought, oh, my soul, I'm taking a right-hand turn here. I'm not following this anymore. But I, but I woke up this morning thinking about him. Isn't that strange? And I thought, why would I think about him other than he was a trauma in my life yesterday? And I thought, uh, there's a guy without hope. That's, that's what I thought. There's a guy without hope and most definitely without joy. I thought, I don't want to live like that. I do not want to live like that. And the more I thought about that, the more I thought to myself, um, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have hope. And hope gives us joy. And joy gives us love. And love gives us great peace. Over the next coming weeks, we're going to look at those four topics in the context of, of the prophetic literature and what that means. And I, and I, want, to, I want to help you on the journey. And, because easy, sometimes it's easy to lose our hope. It's easy to lose our joy, easy to lose love, easy to lose peace, you know, the things that, uh, that are so important to us. So, so this morning, I, just by way of an introduction to all of that, I want to I tell you what hope is. Hope, according to the dictionary, is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing, I'm assuming a good thing, to happen. That's hope. Hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain good thing to happen. I hope I'm going to sit beside someone in a good mood. I hope that I can find a, a, a shirt that will fit around my neck in my closet because I've been putting on weight. I hope I can lose some weight. I hope it doesn't snow. I hope it's not minus 22 when I get home. I hope the turkey's not going to burn in the oven and sit beside me at the table. I hope that, you know, the roast beef is going to be ready for lunch. I hope, you know, hope is, is something that springs up within us and we think to ourselves, you know, this, this, this hope that we have, it, it, it fills our lives with a certain expectation for a positive benefit someplace. So the, the old meaning of hope, this was interesting, I looked up the archaic meaning, which is the old way that it was defined. Hope uh, was defined as a feeling of trust. Isn't that interesting? A feeling of trust. In <clears throat> the passage that we read here, as, uh, as we were reading it, I was thinking, it says uh, from Matthew, this is the prophecy of Isaiah. So the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, and he said to Isaiah, 
The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, the area that was the Galilee of the Gentiles. This, this location and this quality of the location, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, a specific way, the way to the sea along the Jordan, and then he says, Galilee of the Gentiles. So, so it wasn't Galilee of the Jews, Galilee of the chosen people, Galilee of the nation of Israel, Galilee of the people of God, Galilee of those who are the family of God. It was Galilee of the Gentiles, who were not the people of God, who were not the chosen of God. They were of the Gentiles. They, they are us, unless you're Jewish. Most of us aren't. They are us. This land of, of, uh, of the Galilee of the Gentiles, they are us. This is the place where he says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The land of the shadow of death. I can't imagine, I'm just trying to think, I can't imagine though, if you're living in, in a land that is only a shadow of death, that there would be much hope. Doctor comes out and he says to us, there's not much hope left. Tonight will be the night. Get everybody together. Have your last time. Because there's no hope. You know how dark that is. You know the, the feelings of hopelessness that come over you. And this is what he's talking about. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Well, you, well, you, you can imagine all of a sudden, you know, the doctor coming back and saying, Oh, I made a mistake. There is hope. I made a mistake. There is, there is a, a, a whole new possibility of, of hope has come into your life. And, and, and all of a sudden, light, life goes from darkness to light. And you think, oh my soul, there is, there's hope for me. <clears throat> or, or maybe you've, you've, you've personally had the diagnosis of a terminal disease. The doctor says to you personally, I don't think there's any hope. And then all of a sudden you go to a next specialist and they say, well, you know, there is this one thing. It's, it's, it's one little glimmer of hope springs up into your life that, that yes, I, I can be made well. This one last little glimmer of hope springs up into your life that, that this can change my life. There is some hope that the darkness all of a sudden, listen, you know what I'm talking about, right? <clears throat> this is what it's talking about. It's talking about this. Jesus begins to preach. As Jesus begins the ministry, he moves from this one location here to another location, and, and there's hope springs up wherever he goes. There's a, there's a sense of, of help. There's a sense of light. There's a sense of there will be a better tomorrow. There's a sense of there will be greater things in my life. There's a sense of my life is not going to be lived in darkness anymore. There's a sense of hope. 
Do you ever give up hope? I, I can't help it. I've been, I've been thinking about more hope sitting down here in front of me. But try not to look at you, by the way. I'm going to start here shortly. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Ephesians chapter 2. What does that say? Does anybody got a Bible there? Ephesians chapter 2 should say something. i got it marked here someplace. Here it is. Ephesians chapter 2, about verse 12. It says, uh, <clears throat> Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Verse 11, before that, says, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope, without God in the world. The people who lived in darkness have seen a great light. This is what he says here. He says, the land of Zebulun, the land in Matthew, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And here in Ephesians, the writer says, remember the, that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded, without hope, without God in the world. Romans chapter 5. Do you have your Bible? Let's flip over to that one. Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> this is actually kind of what I would like to begin to, to deal with a little bit. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. Let's see what that says. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace, in which we now stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given that's, now there's a mouthful, eh? That's a, that's a lot of reading right there, Ken. You know, let me, let, me, let me read it for us again. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith. Okay. He, he begins, he says, therefore, since we have this experience of being justified through faith. Right? Now, now, we all know what that is, right? Let me, but let me refresh our, our memories. Justification is what he's talking about, justified. Justified means, in the words of my father, which you will remember once I tell you, just as if I never sinned. Justified. That through faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus makes it just as if we never sinned. Right? Now the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? So we are all born into sin. We all have sin that separates us. For the wages of sin is death, it says. 
So in our sin, there is only death. In our sin, there is only lostness. But it says here, he says, therefore, since we have been justified, or that through faith in Jesus Christ, as we accept him into our lives, as we say, I have decided to follow Jesus, I've asked him to forgive me of my sins, he justifies us, which means just, he makes us just as if I had not sinned. That doesn't mean we haven't sinned, All right. but it means he justifies us as if we have not. Because the blood is washes us, the blood of the lamb, and there's a, there's a lot of history behind this, the sacrifice and, the, and the, the lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, but he justifies us just as if we have not sinned. That, that's what he's saying here. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, because we've been justified through faith, because we've latched onto him and he's taken away our sin and he's made it just as if we have not sinned, he says, because of this, we have peace. We have peace. A lot of the world doesn't have peace. You know, okay, so uh, you know, we're going to look at peace in a, in a couple of weeks, but more detail, but... You know, there's a lot of different types of peace, right? There's peace like the cessation of war. Or the when war stops, we say we signed a peace treaty. Right? So there's there's that kind of a peace that is the cessation of war. But but there's another kind of peace. There's a kind of peace that is like when you're when you got your you're sitting in the woods, you got a little hat full of a fire and a coffee pot on there, or a tea pot there, red rose tea obviously. You know, not that peppy stuff, but you got the red rose tea right there, and uh, and you got a little sandwich or, or or something roasting on the fire. You've just sawed down a nice spruce tree, and there's the smell of the spruce. You know that fresh cut spruce. It's not too cold. It's not minus twenty two either, Brian. I mean, you know, you only got like maybe a, a minus one or two. Not too much, but not not enough that you're sweating too bad. And you, you're just there, and the woods is all around you. And there's blue sky and the sun is out and the pine needles are fresh. My soul, that's nice. Anybody here doesn't like that? Don't raise your hand because I don't want to know. You know, <laughs> but the, but to me that's that's peace. I, I, you know, there's a little <clears throat> there's a spot that I go and there's a little creek running through and I got a little place cut out there and then and, and sometimes the birds come and the chickadees will land in the branches and I'm thinking this is wonderful. To me, this is peace. It's not the cessation of hostilities where you're filled with wounds and you're filled with agonizing memories. Here, it just all washes away as that little bro goes by. Peace. <clears throat> That's what I think of when I think of this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, Jesus has taken away the weight of our sin. Jesus has taken away the guilt and the shame of what we did. Jesus has, through faith in him, we've latched on to him. We say, Lord, save me. And he's reached down and he's picked us up and he's made it just as if we had not sinned. And there's peace in that. What else he say? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is the, <clears throat> we have peace with God. If, if we have peace with God, I could say, you know what, through this, I now have peace with my wife. Through this now, I now have peace with my friends. But he, he's specific in, who, in whom 
We have peace. He says, we have peace with God. Why, why is that important? Because God is the righteous judge. God is the one that everything in our lives, he has written it down in the book of, of judgment and in the book of life. Right? Bible talks about this. And Jesus comes by and he says, he says I, I know all of this, but I'm going to tell you something. The things that plague you right now, they are erased through the blood of Jesus Christ because he, we are justified with God. We are justified before him and there's peace that comes with that knowledge, that understanding, and that experience. Peace. Then he goes on. <clears throat> through whom we have gained access what do you mean, access to what? Verse 2, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So he, he's saying the same thing in verse 2 as he does in verse 1, but he's just saying it in a different way. Through whom, Jesus Christ, we have gained access by faith into this grace. This grace that God justifies us by grace. Grace, you know, we say things like, would you say grace? Why do we say that? Would you say grace? Does anybody know what that means? Do you say grace? Yeah, we say, well, yeah, that means you're going to pray before the meal, right? That's grace. Right. Uh -huh. Right? And you kind of wonder, what does that mean? Right? Because here he's saying, he's saying, by faith into this grace, grace. Did you ever meet anybody that was really full of grace? Well, say, well, that's how they walk, right? They, they walk, you know, like this. Is that what you learned in ballet, Alyssa? I don't look like, like a ballet. What's a male ballerina? Oh, okay, a male ballerina. I thought there was a name, ballerina, because I sure wouldn't want to be known as a ballerina. You know? There must be a male masculine ballerino. I don't know. But, but grace, you know, we think, well, well, grace is like, is like how we walk, right? Grace is, they walk with grace and dignity, you know. But it's not that either. Grace is when someone gives you unmerited favor. Right? You don't deserve it. I don't, I don't deserve it. You know, it's, it's, when, it's when, yeah, you know what, you've, you've made a terrible mistake or you've done something terrible against somebody and you come up to them and you say, would you forgive me? I can't, I got no way to, to reverse what I've done. I've got no way to take it back. I've got no way to pay it back. I've got no way to pay this bill. <clears throat> Is there any way that we could work this out? And they say, you know what, just forget it. I, I forgive you. It's, it's forgiven. It's forgotten. You know, it, you're free. That's grace. You know, we say, man, that's, I live in the grace of God. He forgives me. He loves me. He has made a way for me. In the darkness, he's pulled me out. Those living in the land of darkness, a great light has shone. Because hope has come into that place through grace of God. That's what he's talking about. So, so he goes on and he says, <clears throat> by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We stand in grace. 
Let's see what he says next. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's a picture in my mind of uh, <clears throat> being in court with a, with a friend of mine who uh, was in a bad accident. He was the cause. He was drinking, driving. Killed everybody in the car. Except for him. He only lived because he was a very muscular hockey player. Very good hockey player. And um, and he asked me, he said, would, uh, would, you go to, would you go to court with me for the sentencing? And I, uh, boy, what a dark place that was. The families of all those who were killed, they were all teenagers, were there in mass. His family was not. Just him and I, us two, walking through this corridor of vengeance and anger and darkness, hopelessness. I can still remember there was reporters there and there was, there was miserable bugs. And I, I, remember, I remember one grandfather of uh, one of the girls that was killed he swore up and down and he blazed out this this torrent of hate and viciousness at this person and me because I was with him he says how did he put it he says you better watch yourself because the nights are going to be dark and we're coming you can imagine right RCMP all over the place you know I was kind of of course, I was cowering in the darkness, you know, wandering down there through there. But, but as I walked this journey with this guy, I thought, man, this is hopeless in front of this judge. This, the world hates him. And I, I his, his, uh, this, this picture comes in front of my mind as I, as I look at this. And it says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Because before grace and before forgiveness, we were marching the murderer's way. For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin without Christ means that we stand condemned. That's right. But with Christ, we walk a journey that, that, that gives to us the, this hope that even though all around us, the accuser of the brethren of Revelation chapter 12, remember that? The accuser of our brethren which accuses them before God day and night. They say, you know, your people are not so great. Your people have sinned. And, and sometimes he sits on our shoulder and he says, who do you think you are? Do you not remember what you did? Do you not know who you are? And that says that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood. Well, yeah, the blood of the Lamb that justified them, made them just as if they had not done that. Just as if they had not sinned. So now as we approach... You know, the, the great judge, 
God, we have hope of seeing his glory and not his judgment. Because the judgment has already been done and taken care of through Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. There is hope for us. Do you live in hope? Do you have this hope? He says, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. I, I, I've been involved in some, some meetings all week long and talking about a lot of lot of things, and and I, uh, I I bought a book for the long trip, you know, there and back, and about seven hundred pages on consciousness, because I'm interested in consciousness. It's not it's not light reading. It's not something you'd read just before you go to bed and think, oh, that was a pretty story about love and romance. It wasn't that at all. It's about consciousness and the state of consciousness. <clears throat> but but as the guy's writing this book. It's interesting because I see parallels of, of the, the deep ideas that he's talking about in life in general. And in life in general, it seems to me that there is this sense of, uh, of people having the right words, but never experiencing what they're talking about. You know what I'm saying? They, they've, for, for instance, uh, people who have studied theology, right? Theology literally means theos, God. Ology is science, science of God. So it's science of God through the observations of other people that's been recorded through down through history. And we have all of these recordings and we say, well, you know, there's H. Orton Wiley and his theology and there's... Calvin in his theology, there's Slymarker in his theology, there's Luther in his theology, there's John Wesley in his theology. These are all statements of faith of their experiences and their ponderings and their understanding of who God is. And so, so there's a lot of people who have read all this. They say, well, I, well, I, I, I believe in, in Wesley's theology of, or Wesley's theology, but they haven't ever experienced it. And so, so as in these meetings and we were talking about personal experiences, you know, and of course, of course me, I got no filter anyway, you know, and I, and I start to talk about some of our collective experiences, you know, and, and how the Holy Spirit's moving and, and people, their faces are blank. They don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm thinking, well, what do you mean you don't know what we're talking about? Have you never sensed the Holy Spirit? Have you never felt the Holy Spirit calling into your heart? Have you never sensed and, and felt that you wanted to come to an altar to prayer? I mean, those are the very those are the very beginning points of our journey into the hope. Because as as you go through these things, and he 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 says this, he says because we know we rejoice in our sufferings. Well, why do we? Who rejoices in sufferings? You like you go out. This, how many woke up this morning thinking, man, I hope I have a miserable day because I just want to suffer. Praise God for suffering. <laughs> I'm going to church and I'm going to sit through that crazy preacher for. An hour and a half, and I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to enjoy it. Who says that? Besides my wife, <clears throat> you know, nobody says that. No, nobody goes on like that. You know, we we get up in the morning and say, I, I hope today's going to be a great day, right? But here he says, we rejoice in our sufferings. 
because we know something. We have, we have an experience of suffering. Think of a suffering point in your life. I want you to think of it. I don't want you to dwell on it because that just makes us discouraged. But think of the suffering. He says suffering produces perseverance. Suffering produces perseverance. In those times of suffering, it hurts. It's painful. It's not nice. It's ugly. But quite often there's this glimmer that comes up into the back of our minds, our spirits, that says, it's not for forever. We'll get better. We have an experience that says, yes, I, even though I, I live in the darkest of shadows in this moment, the light's going to shine tomorrow. It will get better. I'm just going to put my time in because something better is coming tomorrow. Like that, that is our experience. So he says, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character. Perseverance, character. So, as we're going through the suffering and we say tomorrow will be a better day, tomorrow the light's going to shine, people begin to gravitate to you. Because they see in you a certain character trait that says, you know what, yes, I am walking through the valley of shadows of pain and hurt. I'm walking through, through difficult days right now. I'm bearing difficult burdens, but I understand I have faith that Jesus is in control. As Osmel says, night after night, as we talk about a lot of difficult things down there up here, we either he or I ended off by saying, remember, God has the control. Doesn't matter what happens, God has the control. Our faith rests in this, that yes, I'm walking through some dark water right now, but I understand this, God has the control. Tomorrow's going to be a better day, and I'm looking toward tomorrow. Perseverance develops character. Amen. Not character that's miserable. Character that's hope-filled and filled with faith. He goes on and produces character, and character then produces hope. Hope. Hope is a great thing. Did you know that without hope, people will die? There's a story, and I, I was trying to remember how it went, but the story of uh, of someone in the hospital. It's, I read it someplace. Someone was in the hospital, and the, it was one. It was a room with two beds in it, curtains separating them, and uh, and they were listening to the prognosis. They had their eyes closed, semi-conscious, but listening, you know, subconsciously perhaps to the to the uh, to the prognosis of the person in the next bed. But they thought the doctor was saying it to them. And the doctor was saying to the family gathered around, there's, you know, there's only days left. You know, there's, uh, I don't know, uh, this is not going to work well. And, and there's, there's just one last treatment to go, but I don't think this is going to make any difference. And you better get ready. And, and, the, and the person, you know, was there in the other bed listening and, uh, and thinking to themselves, you know, man, I don't, you know, I don't know what, what this means. I, and, and they kind of were beginning to lose hope. And their vital signs and everything were dropping because they had no hope that anything better was going to come. Till the doctor came by and said, yeah, your sore throat's going away. 
You know, but but kind of kind of in that state of, of being there, not being there. They were just there for a sore throat, but they were listening to someone else's diagnosis. And, and as they talked and they were thinking, well, that's me. As their hope fell down, so did everything else around them. People without hope are lost. People with hope can overcome almost anything. <clears throat> they say one of the most dangerous things to have in a... Uh, in a battle, it's hope. You could be losing the war, but if someone can give you hope, you can overcome. <coughs> the writer here says, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given. You remember, uh, just in closing, you remember Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, I'm just going to read this one part of the verse, of, of verse 1, Hebrews 11. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. Well, that's all I'm going to say about that. I just want to have one last question for you. In this Christmas season, have you begun the journey of hope? The journey of hope begins at the foot of the cross. We've read about it. He justifies us through his blood. He makes us free through his sacrifice, we begin the journey with him. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our Father, we're thankful today, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be able to, to be here to worship you. Father, in these closing moments, Lord, I think of one person sitting alone in a church without hope. And Father, in my spirit and in my mind's eye, I can see them sitting at the back in the shadows. Asking a simple question, but a deep and terrible question, is this hope for me? Is there any hope left in that vast ocean that seems to fill the world with hope? Is there hope for me? And Father, as we sing this last song, I'm asking, Father, that your Holy Spirit would be poured out in love on them in this moment. Lord, those that are struggling for hope, those that are needing hope, those that are needing a fresh anointing of hope, Lord, that it would be poured out on them in this moment. Father, I'm mindful also as you bring it to my mind. Has something robbed our hope? Have we accepted a spirit of offense somehow? Have we fostered a hurt or a 
or a voice of anger. Father, are we tired? Tired of struggling? We just need hope. As we're going through sufferings, pain, difficulty, Lord, help us to persevere. Help us to lift our eyes to the horizon and see that there's hope. Hope is flooding our hearts and our lives through the Holy Spirit. For you have the control. Well, Father, you know our needs. Lord, we've come to meet with you. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that your Holy Spirit would guide us throughout these closing moments. So we sing this song. Bless each one. In Jesus' name we pray.